Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Yeah, and and because you know some of these matches get the five star stuff, and they're like, they're like a half hour long, and it's just like I'm not, I'm never watching that again. Yeah, <laughs> like there, there are very <laughs> few matches that go longer than fifteen minutes that I'll go back and watch again. Yeah, my limit, like I I watch you know twenty, is about my limit for watching yeah. something again. I mean, unless it's like War Games or if it's I may watch one of the old Rumble matches. But this like a regular, quote unquote, regular match between two people or two tag teams or whatever. Yeah, when it, when when you started talking about 25, 30 minutes, I'm just like, yeah, not really. I'm I'm never, you know, as good, <laughs> however good it might have been, I'm not going back and watching that. Again. There's absolutely zero reason for any tag match to go more than 20 to 25 minutes. How many times can you work the hot tag in a match? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Um, Look to me, look if 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 you know, um, however long those Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express matches were, that's about as long as you need to go. <laughs> yeah, you can get it all done in twenty minutes, my friends. Yeah, How, however long those matches were, that's that's all you need. <laughs> You're listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, now part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Remember, always use your head. You look like a dude who should be pumping my fucking gas. This isn't doing it for me. There's, I'm not getting, in, I'm not getting enjoyment out of this. He was a before the bell rings all star. All right, everybody, it is Thursday night, December 28th, 2023, 2023 as a year is almost come to a close. I hope everybody is having a safe and, and wonderful holiday season, no matter what you what you do, whether it's Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, whatever. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're all safe. I'm Well, we welcome you back here to listen to another episode of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast as we wrap up the year that was Pro wrestling in 2023. Uh, we're not going to do an award show. We kicked that idea around, and everybody and their mother's doing an award show. We're not going to do that this year. Uh, we're just going to kind of kick around the year, talk about some highs, talk about some lows. But before we do that, I'm going to go around the room and introduce this cast of characters like I always do, starting with hailing from the Purple Haze in Cloud Nine. He is Bucky's tag team partner, a man destined to go through a barbershop window. Jason, sir. How you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing well. How is everybody tonight? Hanging in there. Hanging in yeah. there, bud. Yeah. And from the Rob the Genius podcast, he is the minister of truth, the father of facts and figures, the deacon of data. He's the official shoot bearer of the Mindless Wrestling podcast, Ray Cash's daddy, and the man with the golden shovel, Mr. Rob. Welcome back, sir. How's your uh, How's your night? Uh, not too bad so far. And uh, I, you know, so I think I tweeted it out. The, uh, the the greatest sponsorship 
thing ever, the the, the Pop Tart Bowl. Pop Tart Bowl. Yes. Pop Tart Bowl. That is. I love some Pop Tarts. Do you guys like Pop Tarts? Yes. Frosted Cherry. Yes. Frosted Cherry. Let's see. Okay, I'll come back to that. Jason, you? Any of the non-fruit ones. I just don't do hot jelly, that kind of stuff. I'm, I, I love fruit in any variety. You can give it give it to me, except mashed up like that. Um, but that, that s'mores Pop-Tarts are one of the God's greatest creations. I, see, I'm with Jason here. I don't like fruit goo. Like, I don't do <laughs> jellies and jams, and I don't like cobblers and uh, preserves and all that. No, I don't do it. I, I can't have pulverized, nope. heated up fruit. Like, I like fresh fruit. Um, so I'm with Jason, any type of chocolate pop tart, I'm there, man. Oh, no, no, no I do like the, the chocolate fudge ones. I love the chocolate fudge ones too now. Uh, yeah. Now you guys, do you guys toast them or do you just rip them right out of the package? Toast them. Uh, you both. toast them? I don't think I, not no. that I eat a lot of pop tarts, but when I have one, it's right out of the package, man. I mean, if I'm if I'm if I'm just hungry enough, I'll just grab it and eat it. But then sometimes I will like I don't I don't want to like want it seriously toasted. I'll just put it in there for like maybe a few seconds. Yeah. So it's, so it's warm. To warm it up a little bit. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Usually I'm just I'm like you, Rob. Like I've gotten to that point where I'm so hungry and this is the only snack in front of me at the moment. I'm ready to eat it now, and I just tear it out of the package and chew it up. There you go. So. Oh. All right. Well, and. Because I always forget myself. Why wouldn't I? I am the man with the award-winning and holy beard, DJ. Uh, the beard the beard negotiation, uh, contract negotiations are still ongoing. Nothing new on that front. Uh, probably not going to know anything for another four to six weeks on that. I will keep you guys posted. Again, this is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the ChairShot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Also, Go on over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. I know the holidays are over, but it's still a good time to buy a gift. Go in there. Check out the T-shirts that are offered up from your favorite Chair Shot Radio Network podcast, including the one you're listening to in your ears right now, the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Go pick one up. A bunch of starving artists will thank you. Your body will thank you if you get one in soft style. That is ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. So now that I've got all the... All the other stuff out of the way, we can we can talk some wrestling, and we are just going to fly by the seat of our pants here tonight. We have no real agenda, no real plan, no real notes. Uh, we're just going to talk about 2023, the year of pro wrestling. A lot happened, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, let's, uh, let's start with Rob. <clears throat> favorite, favorite angle for this year? Let's, let's start there. What was something that really stuck out that you really enjoyed? Um, favorite, I mean... Favorite one for me, I think, was Ray and Dominic because they, I mean, you know, it, it was a slow build. You know, it, I mean, it, it made built over a couple of years. And, you know, and then uh, when they finally did it, like, they, like, because I think some people, you know, some people have been calling it for a while for, you know, that it was inevitably going to happen. But they waited until the they waited until the right time to do it and for the right people to, for Dominic to go join up with, and then nobody nobody thought that he was going to take off the way he did as a, as a heel. Nobody, anybody told you that they saw that. I mean, you know, maybe Ray saw it, or maybe you know, or maybe Hunter saw it, or you know, but 
nobody who was nobody who was not on the inside and couldn't see what kind of work he was putting in or what you know or what have you none of us fans saw that coming i mean so it, nobody did nobody thought it was going to take off like this like it did and then you know, so, and then the way they just milked it with him and Ray, him just kept, he kept pushing Ray's buttons and kept antagonizing and antagonizing them. And then for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, we were all watching like, come on, dude, go ahead and hit the kid. He deserves that. <laughs> right? yeah. Do then, something. Right. I mean, and so then, you know, then you're like, so what's finally going to set him over the edge? And then, you know, then when, you know, Dominic started talking about his mom, that's when that's finally what did it. <laughs> and Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was the perfect, you know, thing to, to work as the trigger, right? Um, and, you know, so then they, and they went and did the match. And the match was just, it was an excellent, like, sports entertainment spectacle kind of match. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like, no, it was not, you know, it was not five-star extravaganza or whatever. But, but I mean, it was an excellent sports entertainment match. And... You know, all all the beats played out right, and then they even you know, and then you know everybody got involved and all of that stuff, and it never really and so they gave you the big they gave you the like the big cathartic moment, but then you know and then but then even later on in the year they didn't forget they didn't just like end it do the hard break, you know they they gave us a few reminders as the year went on that you know that isn't you know well you know that um neither one of them has forgotten. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, they kept, so they both you know, took chances to kind of needle each other as the year went on. And like you said, it had, just had all the emotion. It felt real. Um, you know, just, it, and like nothing, nothing felt contrived. And like, like all the things that went into it felt real. And, and look like, and look, you know, kids, even if they have a good relationship with their parents that, you know, they all, you kind of have that moment where you want to, you know, where you, you want to tell them mom or dad, you know, where they can go. <laughs> right. Oh, well, we've all been there. Anybody yeah. with kids knows this. <laughs> right. And then, and then as a parent, you know, um, like, like I said, even if you have a great relationship with your kids, if, you know, if they start needling you, you know, um, you want to drop the hammer on them. <laughs> yeah. And not not physically. I'm not talking about you know necessarily physically, but just in some kind of way, just to remind them. Just you know, as my father used to say, "Who's who's the boss and who's the horse?" Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that match. We were talking a little bit in the uh, in the pre-show huddle, which you may find at the beginning of this episode. Um. Yeah, that match is one that I'll go back and watch. It, it emotionally had everybody invested. Um, the, the wrestling wise itself was fine, but the story and all the parts and pieces involved in that elevated it to just legendary status. For me, Rey Mysterio taking the belt out, and and the best part is he's holding the belt up so the crowd can see this is a belt, and the crowd just goes bananas. Because Dominic has been such a jerk for months, and people have just been waiting and salivating for Rey Mysterio to light that kid up, and he did, man. He took it to him with the with the belt. I popped for it. I thought it was hilarious. Jason, you got any thoughts on that match? Uh, I thought it, the the belt was the best payoff 
Um, and that was, uh, it was all well done. I, I was hot or cold on it. Uh, not hot or cold. I was just fine with it. It was an excellent part of the show. It just wasn't my favorite stuff. Maybe I just don't have the connection to Ray and Dom that you guys do. But yeah. aside from that, though, it was all excellent sports entertainment stuff, as you guys all highlighted. So Yeah. All right. Let's wrap back around, go backwards around the room. Jason, was there anything match-wise this year that surprised you? Like, you, you didn't expect much, but you're like, okay, this ended up being a really good match. I uh, Well, unfortunately, this isn't going to be very good radio because we're going to go back to something we were talking about earlier. Rhea versus Charlotte. That, like, I knew they were going to get a make good of their kind of okay match from the NXT belt thing back in COVID and whatnot back in that day. Um, cause they, the, the match they had were just kind of fine. And then Rhea came to the main, main roster and then immediately had like baby deer legs. It was just very weird, a very weird experience for uh, Rhea Ripley that I look back on now. And I'm just like, I don't even recognize, you know, that person because Rhea Ripley is the fully formed, like top dog woman's wrestler. My good. Um, so yeah, I thought it was just going to be a make good on that. And they were going to, you know, have a good match. No, that was like an excellent match. And, and DJ, when you say you put it down as, you know, one of your match of the years, I'm not going to argue with it. Yeah. I, somebody had a gun to my head and asked me, which was match of the year for me in WWE. It was that match. Um, it just, it, it hit all the beats. It felt like a good fight. Charlotte's always a big match, a big match woman. And, you know, Rhea, to her credit, elevated herself to Charlotte's level. And it, it because the first match is very obvious that Charlotte was the star. And real, while she looked good in that first match, it was very obvious that we still had some work to do. The work had been put in and the work was complete at WrestleMania this year. And we had like these are two girls I could watch do this again and again and again. I thought it was that good. I thought their chemistry was incredible. And, you know, having somebody in there who physically can move Charlotte Flair around believably, because we've talked about this on the show, you know, when we get into our, and we're not going to go too deep down the Charlotte Flair discussion because we did that a couple weeks ago. But when she has these matches, a lot of these girls, she towers over them. You know, when you line her up with a Selena Vega or a Candice LeRae or, you know, even a Shotzi, Shotzi's not a tiny girl, but she's not Charlotte height. And, you know, when you line her up against all these girls, yeah, she's going to go in there and be physically more imposing. With Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley can go muscle for muscle, pound for pound, toe-to-toe with Charlotte Flair. And I love that chemistry between the two of them. So, Rob, any surprises for you this year? Something that stood out that you were unexpected? Yeah, I, I, I just had it, and then, okay, I got to think back there. Okay, because... Um... You know what? Um, the the um, Miz and Gunther. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be bad, but both the matches they had, they had one on the pay per view and they had one on TV, and both of them were excellent. And as much as I scold people, you know, who who quote unquote, quote unquote didn't realize the Miz could do could all that, you know, as much as I scold people for being for being that guy on Twitter. You know, um, even, you know, I mean, he even surprised me a little bit. And well, where, where he surprised me was that 
in the pay-per-view match in particular, they really had a few moments there where it looked like he might do it. Yeah, they had you believe it. Yeah. We, we've we long since tried to abandon the, you know, Mike, Mike Mazanin is an excellent wrestler and it's time he recognized it because if you're not, again, if you haven't recognized that by now, you're not paying attention. That said, this was excellent even by his excellent standards. Yes. Yeah, and um, again, like I said, those those closing minutes, and then because especially the fact that you know he'd been acting more like a baby face, but then he, but then he's you know when he then when he when he pulled out the the cheating stuff, then <laughs> that really felt like like a turning point, like you know, because right now no like nobody expects Gunther to lose to him clean. Right, I mean, but then and he was acting like a baby face. But then when he started reverting to the cheating, that felt like, oh, we have an out here now. They want to do this, you know. Uh, and that was excellent. Whoever laid that match out, that was an excellent twist to put on it. Yeah, and it was great because by the time the Miz got Gunther, we were past the the record. We were past the Honky Tonk Man record. So at this point, Gunther's on the clock. We, he can lose this championship at any point, and he's probably going to hold this title reign record for decades. They're not touching this for a long time. So yeah. you really get that feel like, okay, if they're going to do it, Miz might actually be the guy, and tonight might actually be the night. And they told that story in the ring, and it was brilliant. Yeah, and now, so um, Gunther is how close? Because oh, he is, okay. He's been Intercontinental Champion for over 563 days now. Um, the record for most days as Intercontinental Champion is Pedro Morales, 617. So he is very close, and he will probably get it. He's close. Uh, he's close. He's close enough. Where why not? I mean, yeah, yeah. At this point, ride it all the way through. Punch, you know, punch it through the end zone, and let's let's keep it moving. Yes. So, for me, we talked about this a little bit the uh, in the pre-show huddle, Omas and Brock Lesnar. I really like, you know, Omas for a, the longest time really kind of felt like he kind of plateaued and they're like, okay, this is what we've got and this is all he can do. And then he had a match with Braun Strowman about a year or so ago that was really, really good. Like him and Braun went and tore the house down. And then of all people, they put him in there with Brock. And at first I thought, God, this is I, on paper. The only thing that sounds good about this is Brock F5-ing Omos in my head. When I think about these two in the ring, this is the only good that I see coming out of this. They went out and had a damn fun little hoss fight, you know, with Brock bumping like a son of a gun for him, selling his stuff, making him look good, and finally hitting him with the F5. It's a match that I've gone back and watched at least two or three times because it was just a lot of fun. It wasn't a technical marvel. You know, it wasn't a a hold-for-hold catch-as-catch-can match, but for a fun sports entertainment sprint, this match was damn good, and and Omos looked damn good in it. Yeah, Yeah, because, like, okay, Jay. The F5, sorry, we were building building all the way to the F5, but I I thought it was just going to be, you know, you know, and it was just Ooga Booga stuff, but you were right, DJ. Brock made him look amazing. Um, so it, it really did feel like that, you know, what, what we're all here for, King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, and that's what it felt like. So that, I had a ton of fun with that match. 
Yeah, because I mean, it's weird. Like, cause some of these, some of the matches that Brock has, they end up not being as good as you think they're going to be. Like, like all his stuff with him and Bobby. Like, it seems yeah. like you know, we we go on like, oh, this is going to be great, and then, and then it happens, and it's kind of like, oh, well, that was fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, Lashley got injured in the first big one. Yeah. Like it, he took a bad bump and he got injured, so they had to call an audible in that match. I thought their second match was pretty damn good, though. Oh, the one they had in the, um, they had in Saudi Arabia, didn't they? Yeah. That one, yeah. I think I think it was yeah. in KSA, and I, I I remember that match being what I had hoped the first match was going to be. Yeah, and then like the last one they had, they just uh, I don't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but um, the only problem that I had with this second match was the finish. The finish was a little sloppy. But the match itself was every bit the hoss fight that I wanted it to be. And so, yeah. Yeah, some good stuff, man. Yeah, and like so you, you don't see Brock bumping. Like, like Brock sells for people, <clears throat> but you don't see him getting thrown around. Yeah. And he let, he let almost throw him around. Yeah, it was a great piece of business on Brock Lesnar's part. Made Omos look really good, uh, and it gave him a great WrestleMania moment. You know, even in losing... You know, yeah. it was still a lot of fun. So. And we know, you know, if Brock likes you, you know, it's obvious. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah, he'll work <laughs> for you if he likes you, man. <laughs> and, and that being said, probably my favorite feud of the year was him and Cody. And I know a lot of people um, questioned why, because Brock just inexplicably... And, and they still really never explained why Brock turned on Cody and, and, you know, attacked him. There was never really, but at the end of the day, the matches were so good and the feud felt so genuine that I didn't need a reason. Like I just made up some bullshit reason in my head. Uh, he doesn't like Cody's neck tattoo. Okay, let's go. You know, and, and to me, that was good enough. But I just, I liked the, the trilogy of matches. Cody winning one, Brock winning one, Cody winning the, the third one. I like that. I think I've talked on this show before. I don't like it when they do trilogies of matches and one person loses all three matches. To me, it seems like a waste of time. I hate it when they do that. They did that with AJ and uh, Samoa Joe. Uh, Hated it. I think Joe could have taken one of them. Um, They've done that just in many, many different. I can sit here and list a whole ton of people they've done that with. I liked this one. And, you know, it got a little bloody. It got a little messy. It was it was fun. A good time. Yeah, like you, I, I hate it when they do the, the trilogy and then one person wins all three because, like, what's the point? Right. Um, uh, you know, like, um, when they did, like, was, well, they did, you know, Seth and Cody last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, because Cody winning the first one made sense. It was the first day back. Him winning the, the cell match, yes. Um, but then, you know, winning the one in between that that didn't really make any sense. And no, and Seth should have taken one of those. And it's and it's another one of those things where, um, the numbers kind of told the story. I mean, because there was a there was a after the second match, you know, where Cody won the second one, the all the numbers dropped off after that. Yeah. I mean, people were obviously we didn't. You know, there were there were no numbers for the first one going in because you know. It didn't happen. Nothing happened yet, right? But yeah, there were big numbers after the first one, but then after the second one, everything dropped off because it's kind of like, okay, well, we beat him twice. What are we doing? 
Well, it's like how equated to Star Wars, because all things, as PC Tunney would say, all things are Star Wars. How good is Return of the Jedi if the good guys win at the end of Empire? You know, yeah. Empire, the Empire won. They literally won the day and, and just kicked everybody's asses and left you on such a down note that you had to come see the third one. Like, what's going to happen? I need to know because we can't just leave Han Solo and Carbonite. And, you know, Luke's hand chopped off and him hanging from a weather vane. You know, it's it's that 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 brings people to the third dance. And and so it's no surprise to me that that the numbers fell off after match two. Because so why should I bother investing in a match three? It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Jason, feud of the year for you. Or angle of the year, feud of the year, whichever you want to call it. It's finishing the story at, Roma, at, at WrestleMania 39. Because <laughs> like, honestly, even if he won, if he lost, if he whatever, that was so fucking good. That guy was in his Dusty Rhodes bag. He was doing Dusty Rhodes 2023. He was playing all the hits. He was all shucks in his way through everything. You know, I have to finish the story for my dad and all this stuff. We were all like, Everyone was going in, and Roman was leaning into it. You know, he just played this Machiavellian villain of just like, your daddy loved me more than he loved you. Like, all this stuff. And then Roman won? <laughs> like, what an incredible piece of business that was. Like, what a ballsy decision. And now maybe it's just build, building to an even bigger win in, in Philadelphia. Maybe that that's true. But man, to get uh, again to use that football analogy we always do to get to the one yard line and then have Cody get Simone spiked and speared and fumble. Wow, wow, beautiful piece of business. And their both their entrances were incredible. Yeah, and um, I. I thought for sure, because um, when they, when they threw Solo out, and then when Kevin and Sammy took out Jimmy and Jay, I mean they had everything set up for Cody to win, and then and then Solo just comes back out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that I mean that was I mean it was funny, and I mean it, I mean it, I mean it, I mean that made me laugh because they're like, oh wait, well he just came back out there, okay. <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I'll so, defend that finish to the death um, yeah, as much as I, I think at this point, Cody is probably the guy to, de- to dethrone Roman. There's an argument can be made for Jey Uso. There's an argument can be made for Solo Sokoa. Um, but I think if we're, and again, it'll all hinge on what the plan is after that. You know, like once we stick that landing, what's next? is going to determine who the guy is right now. It looks like the guy is going to be Cody. Um, I just, I stand on the Hill that it is not going to be at WrestleMania 40. Um, but yeah, I I'll, I'll defend that finish, you know, and, and sometimes, and this is where Vince before Hunter succeeded and where Hunter looks like he's, you know, taking the ball and running with it. Sometimes you got to hurt people's feelings. You, you got to be willing to piss people off in order to get them invested. That's the point of all this. You know, it's that Cody finishing the story means so much more. 
if he hits if he hits a roadblock or two on the way, you know, because when he finally gets there, there's yeah. the payoff. Because I mean, honestly, it wouldn't have had the same meaning if he had won this time. Nope. Because I mean, like the, like the, the only like the only real heat and emotion to the match was because it was the the two biggest guys in the company. Right. Well, um, and Cody was doing it for his daddy. Yeah, but it wasn't it, it it wasn't personal, right? I mean, now we've had a year of him being, you know, th- now he's he was thwarted by Roman and Roman's minions. He's had a year of fighting with against different people, and you know he had to deal with Brock. So he's had to you know he's had to overcome some obstacles now to get there. And so now, if they if they do it this time, then now it'll, it'll feel like he it'll feel more like he earned it. Yeah. From the, more like the character, you know, earned it and didn't just, you know, kind of helicopter his way in. Hmm. All right, Rob. Any any feuds this year that stuck out with you as your favorite? Um, other than other than the ones we named, um, Philip Jack Brooks versus Jack Perry. <laughs> 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 um, because that one literally changed the entire face of the wrestling business. <laughs> literally. This is fact. <laughs> this is fact. I, I don't even know where to begin with that. And how, such a cluster F over in Jacksonville. And, and Tony Khan ought to be ashamed of himself. And I've said this before. For we're not going to get too... Yeah. Far down this road with this because that ain't what we're talking about. But he is doing such a disservice to that locker room right now on, on an almost daily basis now. Yeah. And it's, I mean, on press conferences or, you know, media calls or whatever saying, oh, we get, we have the best rated matches on Cage Match. <laughs> 300 people vote on that. I mean, let me, yeah, I mean, nerds in their basement. And I, as, as a nerd in his basement who occasionally votes on cage match, <laughs> let me tell you, um, there. I mean, we're literally talking at the most five hundred people on, on a yeah at the, at the most. So I'm looking up something from WrestleMania. That would be like the biggest. Um, that would be something with like the biggest voting numbers. Um, let me tell you, okay, how many people voted on some of these WrestleMania matches? It's a much better show when you don't try to please the podcasters, guys. Okay. Roman and Cody, there were 742 votes. So that's out of a, probably a few, you know, however many million people watched that show. So a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent yes. of and people that, who actually watched not even one percent, not even half of a percent. Uh, Gunther and versus Drew and Sheamus has nine hundred nineteen votes. Okay, um, can't even crack a thousand. Come on, Charlotte and Rhea has nine hundred. I'm sorry, Charlotte and Rhea has eight hundred eighty-three votes, and you know the Kevin and Sammy versus the Usos has nine hundred nine votes. That's the biggest wow. show of the year that was probably watched by the most number of people of any show because that's the one show that. Anyone with even just a passing interest will watch. If they only watch one show that year, they will watch WrestleMania. And not one of those matches got even a thousand votes on Cage Match. 
Tony so, Khan is and that's WrestleMania. for a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent and, of wrestling fans. And again, that is WrestleMania. Okay. I mean, we look at Dynamite just from this past week. The show, I mean, the match with the most votes has 191 votes. Oh, Jesus. Okay. That, and now, I mean, that was, now that was just last night, but still 191 votes. Okay. And you're basing, again, out of 850,000 people watched that show, 191 voted. So, uh, 97 of those were Meltzer and his burner accounts. And so we're looking at 0.02%. Not, not 2%. <laughs> 0.02% of, of the people, the number of people who watched that show voted on Cage Match. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're I mean, dude, not even Folks, one person. They don't call him the deacon of data for nothing. Not even one percent of your audience. You're you're booking for not even one percent of your audience. All right, let's move on from them. We've given them enough enough airtime. Yes, but it was just I thought, but that was absolutely. I mean, (laughs) mean, oh man. We'll we'll talk about CM Punk in a few minutes. I know this Jason's favorite topic. Um, He's already rolling his eyes. He's already given me the look. <laughs> All right, no, we won't. We won't dwell on no. Just, we, we we won't dwell on it. We won't dwell on it. But um, let's let's talk breakout stars. We had a lot of people step up to the plate this year in WWE. You know, for for a, a company that a lot of people lament only pushes certain people and only uses you know part timers and old timers and no timers. And there were a lot of people that really really stepped up, shown out. Um, not just in, in NXT, but in WWE, you know, on the main roster, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I'm going to kick this one off. I'm going to say for me, Chad Gable really became low key and MVP this year. Um, not only from, you know, a creative standpoint, um, all the stuff he did, you know, going head to head with when they were still a thing. Now, actually, RK Bro was last year. Yeah. Because Randy's been gone for like, I don't know, seems like two years. Um, but still, just I would say, you know, between 2022 and 2023, Chad Gable, because they allowed him to stretch his legs in, in terms of being an entertainer, but they also allowed him to go in and deliver some excellent wrestling matches, you know, and his little trilogy of matches with Gunther. Again, we're talking about another 0-3 feud, but the matches themselves were spectacular. I would shout out um, L.A. Knight. You know, the guy just—it's <clears throat> excuse me—it's refreshing. He's a professional wrestler. Like yeah. he doesn't have a gimmick. That's that's his gimmick. He's a professional wrestler. Um, and you know, and I, you know, get a lot of, you know, he gets a hard time for being derivative, but everything in wrestling is. So, oh well. Um, let's talk about how many guys do the figure four and the sharpshooter. I'm sorry, yeah. Deathlock. Death um, so, yeah, LA Knight, I mean, and he went toe-to-toe with Roman Reigns, and I think he held his own, both on the mic and, you know, in the event, and he did not, as DJ, as you like to say, he did not look less than. I mean, everyone looks less than Roman Reigns, but he looked like a certified main eventer. Yeah. Uh, I it, To start with, he shook off a horrible gimmick. 
You know, and yeah. a lot of people don't recover from a bad gimmick. I mean, hell, the entirety of Retribution, save for me and Yim, is now gone. You know, and well, we've still got Dijak over in NXT, but the rest of them are gone. Yeah. Um, so she was, for him, she was she, gone too for a bit. <laughs> she was. They let her go for a little bit. So, yeah, we can't forget that. Um, but yeah, for him to shake that gimmick off and, and absolutely just meteorically rise to the top the way he did. Incredible piece of work on his part. I'm an LA Knight fan. I like the guy. Um, I know a lot of people have their criticisms. I won't even listen to the derivative criticism at all um, because there's two things. One, as Jason says, everything in wrestling is derivative. Everybody is borrowing something. Hell, half the people wrestling in the last 10 years all wanted to be some version of Stone Cold Steve Austin or another. And the other half wanted to be The Rock. I mean, that's just it. You know, these, these guys influenced them. And to that, I'll also say this. If you're watching L.A. Night and you watched The Rock, you watched Steve Austin, okay, yeah, it's derivative. What about the people who never got to watch them in their prime? They didn't have that, so they don't know it. They know these guys were out there. They can go watch it on the Peacock if they're so inclined. But if you didn't live through it, that means nothing to you. You know, there are still people that are going to say, you know, Steve Austin comes out to wrestle Kevin Owens. I guarantee you, while the crowd loved it, there were people out there going, who the fuck is this guy? You know, they know who he is because their dad watched him, but he was their dad's wrestler. You know, L.A. Knight is this generation's that guy. And, and I'm perfectly OK with that. I mean, just to, get, to give an example, in, I mean, in 1986, if you had gone to either me or DJ and said, you know, well, yeah, well, the, the nature boy, Buddy Rogers. We'd have been like, and? Who? Who? <laughs> and? Uh, right? So? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> right? Um, you know, um, or if you look, if you were watching Hulk Hogan and somebody said, well, he's just doing what Superbar, still, Superstar Billy Graham did 10 years ago. And? Pretty much. Yeah, so <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> and? Right? I mean, uh it, you know, I mean, this is what it is. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I have to give some LA Knights and props. He's a local man from Hagerstown, Maryland. And he recently got the key, just, just over the past week, he got the key to the city, uh, to Hagerstown. And actually, I watched the little video of that. It was really cool. Oh, cool. Uh, nice. Um, so I think he's definitely up there. And I mean, and again, remember in January, we thought he was dead and buried we thought they were just feeding him to bray wyatt and then he'd be maybe on a list after that <laughs> um you know we weren't sure really and but he and you know he powered through that and you know and then again i mean we were talking about a one-year turnaround that i mean this is up there with you know you know i mean one-year turnarounds is this up there with whatever ones you can think of um but this is up there with those. And yeah. um, now I guess for me, another breakout, um, we obviously uh, Trick Williams. You beat me to it. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, Trick, had, he had the side, well, not the sidekick. He had the kind of, well, you know, I mean, the guy who protected the other guy role. I mean, he had that down perfect. But we never knew for sure. Well, okay, are they going to let him actually do anything himself? Um and because that I mean that that's the key to him having his own career. You know, like if he was all if he was if he was never more than Carmelo's heater, so to speak, then he might have had a very short career. 
you know, he might have been, you know, on the list as soon as Carmelo got called up, right? Um, but he actually got out there and did his own stuff this year, and he made a whole lot of progress. And and he got a lot, and he, I mean, he made a very for somebody in developmental in particular, he made a very dramatic one year turnaround here from where he was to where he is now. And because, you know, for the longest time, we're like, okay, well, he can talk great. I mean, he's he's great at talking, but um, he's got to be, you know, is he ever going to, you know, get any good at the other stuff? And so this year he really made some headway. He made made enough headway for them to actually do stuff with him besides backup Carmelo. Well, and he booked, they booked a very, very, like, crazy moment in a complicated match for him. For him to win. Yeah. yeah. They've trusted him in some big spots this year. Uh, trusted him with Ilya Dragunov. I mean, Ilya Dragunov is a tough dude to wrestle. And they they sent Trick out there with him, and Trick held his own. You know, obviously, Ilya got him in the end, which, you know, is going to happen. Ilya just has the edge with experience. But Trick Williams, absolutely no shame. The guy has been one of the most fun parts of – because NXT does – the local loop near me, and actually we're going to see them next weekend. Trick has been consistently one of the most fun parts of those shows, even when he was still just the heater. Because he would go out there and just – him like he sat there on our corner one time and just went back and forth with us. Wherever he's working on the outside, he was back and forth with the crowd, having a blast. Um, his timing, when he finally did start to get into the ring, you could just see the growth. Every time he came out, he was a little better and a little better, and his timing was better. And you know, he pays attention, and I, I believe he's a student to the game. And you know, you, you you listen to I like listening to Booker T talk about him because a lot of the way that Trick moves in the ring reminds me of a younger Booker T. Just the, the, his mannerisms, the way he moves, and just he's a tall, muscular dude. And you know, I get very much you know late 90s early 2000s booker t vibes from from trick williams and then that's meant as the most sincere compliment and we, i guess yeah, we should take yeah. in deep as well and you know carmelo is kind of at this point he's a fully formed superstar star i mean as soon as we actually figure out who shot trick then i think carmelo's going up so yeah they've both done had a killer year yeah, Rob, you were going to say? Oh, and I guess we shouldn't leave out, uh, you were talking about Booker T, the fact that, uh, you know, Booker now that, um, well, Booker's reality of wrestling is basically the new Evolve. Um, yeah. You know, where some of the NXT folks go over there for a little while and they do, a f- you know, they'll do a few matches and then, you know, and then, you know, come back over. And uh, Trick was one of those people. He, he went over there, he did a few matches. And it, Uh, it, like that matters because you like you need time. Sometimes you you need time to go work in a you know real match kind of setting, but not one where like everybody is looking at you. Right. Because even on the NXT television show, right? I mean, because you know you still have you know six hundred thousand people watching you, and if if you if you mess up something or you just don't look great, there's still a lot of heat that can come down on you from quote-unquote fans yeah 
So, I mean, over in, I mean, now obviously reality of wrestling does have an audience, but it's a local, it's much more of a local thing. So you can go there and you can figure some things out. And then, um, and that's what Evolve was like for a lot of people. Like the, the Street Profits went to Evolve and they came back a whole totally different team. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, go ahead and vent because no. I've got a thought on that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it matters. And so, and I think going down there definitely helped trick out a lot. Well, I think it's important for this talent. You know, WWE has a way of teaching and the way of teaching is good. You know, they've got some really bona fide veterans who have, you know, road traveled, road warrior, you know, just people with experience. But when you're in that bubble, you get what they want you to know and what they want you to learn. But you may pick up something elsewhere. You know, this is why, you know, I'll I'll always defend indie wrestling because while, yes, you'll pick up some bad habits and, and they don't always prepare you for WWE, AEW at the time, WCW, TNA, things like that. They don't prepare you for that, but they do, you do learn things, you know, it, just different nuances of wrestling that you may not get under that one little banner. You know, and I'll always take Goldberg as my example. You know, Goldberg, you know, trained at the power plant, and I'll always die on the hill that Goldberg was always a diamond in the rough and he was rushed to production. And I think if he had, wrestled more in other places, we would have had a more well-rounded overall wrestler. And I think that's why it's beneficial for this NXT talent to get out and go to reality of wrestling. Maybe let them go somewhere else, go over to uh, TJ and Natalia's dungeon for a little bit and train there, you know, get outside of that, that little pocket and, and learn a different way of doing things and then bring that back and try and, package it all up into something and and you've seen that be a benefit to trick williams say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Yeah, I mean, getting just obviously not do being able to do something and not worrying about becoming a, a gif, you know? Yeah. So was there, let's start with Jason here. Jason, was there anything this year that disappointed you? Disappointed me? Um, you know what, I'm going to say no. I, like right off the bat, I couldn't think of anything. And, and just the glut of good wrestling we've had this year is kind of crazy. Um, it disappointed me that, you know, Tony Khan's a coward and fired CM Punk and he was able to come back. Um, that's too bad. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rob, anything this year that really disappointed you? Well, I guess there's the obvious thing that happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, but Outside of that, um, I mean, me, me being the Mr. Analyze Everything guy, you know, the, yeah, I mean, there are always some things that, that I look at and it's like, well, they, they could have done that better. Or they should have done that different. And blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> so, but as far as disappointing, um, 
Well, um, I think what's going on in AEW is disappointing because, you know, no matter what we think of Tony Khan or whatever, and whether you, whether me, you, or anyone else watches them at all, it, again, me being, being an old union labor guy, I recognize the importance of having more than one place that people can go to and get paid well and be fulfilled at what they're doing. Um, and so them stumbling as bad as they did this year is a disappointment because anything that anything that, that gets us closer and closer to a one show town again is not good. Um, and so to me, it, it's disappointing, really. Um, the way he handled all the stuff with Punk. Um, <clears throat> like, you're supposed to handle that better, okay? Yeah. You're not supposed to, you know, Jack Perry should not be running off with his mouth like that, right? He, he shouldn't think he's allowed to do that. Um, and yes, Punk was wrong for everything he did there. But, you know, Jack Perry shouldn't think he can just do that. Hangman Page shouldn't think he can just get on the mic and go off script and just cut, start cutting shoot promos. You know, um, and that's on Tony's management. You know, um, like you're supposed to handle those things, right? I mean, and look, no wrestler's court is not the the answer, no. But you know, people who have really not liked each other in the in various other wrestling companies have worked together and you know made money for the company and made money for themselves, and that his his failure to corral that whole situation into something that made the company money. That's a, that's a total failure on his part. Um, there's no excuse for that. Like I said, it's been, it's been done over and over in numerous other companies over the years where, you know, guys who did not like each other, guys who hated each other's guts, were still managed to get in the ring together and do something to make money. And yeah, it's a complete total failure on his part to, to manage that situation. And, you know, um, so to and to me, you know, and just the fallout from that, it, it's it's disappointing because again, even though we all here, we primarily watch WWE, we you know, you know, we occasionally dabble in some other stuff, but you know, again for the for the for the workers, for the wrestlers, and and for the camera men and women and the referees and the you know and the people who drive the trucks and all of that stuff there needs to be more than one place to go and again anything that takes us closer to there only being one place to go is not good and because like you know we're seeing all these people resigning you know big deals in wwe now um if wwe is the only game in town you know, whoever's re-signing two, three years from now is not going to be signing for as much money because they won't have to pay it to you. Right. Um, you know, um, and, um, and, um, it's just, so to me that that's my disappointment of the year. It's just Tony Khan's complete failure of ownership. Leadership. And management. Yes. Now, 
I, the only thing I'll say about this, and I, I'm going to criticize Punk here a little bit, taking at face value what we know of that final situation over in England where Jack Perry did the, you know, real glass, what you going to do, bitch, or whatever the case may be. Why was Punk so triggered by that? Like, at the end of the day, is that really, like, because I think of me, and I'm like, okay, you're a clown for doing that. It was unnecessary. But is this something that we need to start a fist fight over? I don't think so. No, of course not. No. So I absolutely, like I said, I'm taking the facts as I know them. Because none of us were backstage. I don't think anybody except for the people who were directly involved know exactly what happened back there. But I'm taking what was presented on my TV, what I know. Uh, Jack Perry wanted to do an angle on collision that involved real glass. CM Punk, who apparently at this point in time is the boss of AEW, told him, no, we don't do that here, brother. Tony Khan didn't step in and say, you know what, if he wants to do it, he can. Tony Khan didn't step in and say, no, we really shouldn't be doing that. CM Punk took care of business. That's not his place, in my opinion, but whatever happened, happened. Again, that speaks to Tony's lack of leadership. But CM Punk getting triggered by Perry going out there and doing that is, to me, kind of childish and kind of speaks to the bigger problem with him all along is that he's kind of easily gotten to. And and that's I, I hope that's something he's going to move past now that we're embarking on this second WWE career. Um, but I just I, I sit there and look at it and I'm like, why were you so bothered by that? Because at the end of the day, if Jack Perry never ends up drawing a damn dime, that was your gotcha. You know, you didn't have to say a thing. You just let him come backstage and go, okay, I saw what you did. Move along, go to the locker room. You move on with your life. Punk stays in AEW. AEW reaps the rewards of having CM Punk because up until he left, Collision was a damn fine show. The two episodes of Collision that I saw that CM Punk was directly involved in were really freaking good. Just from a production standpoint, a wrestling standpoint, the people in the ring I could get invested in. It was just, it was, AEW would have been much better off. So some of that I do still lay on him because it's something he very easily could have just said, you know what? He was a dick. Let him be a dick. At the end of the day, I'm going to draw more money than him. And that's my, that's my revenge on him. Didn't happen that way. Um, And now AEW's eating, eating a plate full of it because of it. Because I, I really, truly don't think they've recovered. They have been in a tailspin since he left. Oh, well, yeah. since they fired him. Yeah, they, they have been. It's just, you know, they... There's and, so many pops left, guys. And, and I know, and this is just, I'm piggybacking on something Rob said. I know we are usually hypercritical of AEW, and I know it sounds like we're on the because there, there's definitely some people out there now that are looking at AEW like you guys are on the clock. We're expecting the doors to close any day now. I don't think they're anywhere near that. I do think that if Tony Khan doesn't turn the nose up, he is, and I've said this before, he is going to find himself in charge of the number three North American wrestling promotion. I think we very realistically live in a world where that could happen. But I and I think I speak for my co-hosts here, we do not want AEW to shut its doors for all the reasons that Rob just said. You know, the the production people, the cameramen, the truck drivers, the caterers, everybody, there are so many other people other than just the wrestlers who have jobs who will now be out of work. 
And then the talent. There's a lot of talent on their programming that while I may not watch them, I want them to be gainfully employed. You know, the Keith Lees, the Athenas, the Adam Coles, um, the, the, the list goes on and on of people that I hope continue to make money doing this thing that they do. And if AEW closes its doors, as far as I know, TNA can't pay those kind of contracts. Not right now. No. Um, MLW obviously isn't paying those kind of contracts. No. Um, and, you know, the, the best these guys can hope for is to go to Japan. But Japan doesn't work on a regular basis. So, you know, it's we need AEW to be successful or at least maintain its status as the number two promotion in North America so that people can continue to get paid. So that up-and-coming talent has a place to go if WWE doesn't want them or if they don't want to go there, you know, for any particular reason. AEW needs to exist, and that's all on Tony Khan. Yeah, and it's like... Go ahead, Jason. See what... Yeah, we just got to see, dude, just put on a wrestling show. Like, you don't have to be constantly online. Like, that's it. Don't worry about what the internet says. Just, you have a million, you know, very, very smart people at your fingertips. You know, wrestling, you know, legends. You literally have Edge and Christian right there. Um, just, just, dude, put the phone down. Stay off the internet, and I've had another thought. Stay off the internet, and I'll think of it in a minute. Somebody else take over. Well, uh, and uh, well, he he introduced the media scrum to professional wrestling, and that was not a good idea. No, um, it just was not a good idea. Uh, it was not a good thing. And again, and yeah, yes, Punk is at fault for everything he did there, everything he said there, uh, but. Tony. Some of the things he said wasn't wrong, though. That and then Tony, he was probably out of line saying it. Oh, he was absolutely, but yeah. it wasn't inaccurate. Right, it wasn't false, which is which is why you know I've been so tortured during this time because <laughs> yeah. I am I am no look I, I have as much disdain I've had as much disdain for that man as Jason, and yet he continued to say things that that, that I thought were true and correct. Yeah. Um, um, and but. When you, when you have you know you have a media scrum again you open the door and when you hire when you, when you have somebody like Philip Jack Brooks working for you and you have a media scrum where you're going to put it in front of a live microphone you are opening the door for exactly what happened to happen um and I mean, look, look, Vince wouldn't have had a media scrum during like the peak, you know, drug days of Shawn Michaels, okay, and wouldn't have had oh, Shawn Michaels. No. Wouldn't have had Shawn Michaels out there all pilled up in front of the microphone after a show, okay? Um, that wouldn't have happened. But I mean, but basically, Tony played the same kind of Russian roulette game here, because um, you had a guy working for you who is outspoken, who does not hold his tongue, who, you know, is not afraid to say things that. You know, the burn bridges, <laughs> right? And you had this open session where he got a live mic. And after some people had antagonized him, <laughs> and, um, it, you know, it's not good. Um, yeah. So I, I, there, yeah. there's an old adage that Tony didn't follow when it came to CM Punk, 
let the buyer beware. Tony looked at CM Punk like most of the internet looked at Punk. Like, I have this guy that WWE wronged, and that's it. That's all Tony saw. He, he, he had the, these blinders on, this narrow tunnel vision as to who he was bringing in, and he really thought that he was going to get a guy that was just going to play ball. And it was going to be this amazing boon to his business. And that part was true. You know, that part was correct. But he didn't read the fine print when it came to CM Punk. And it bit him in the ass. You know. Well, it was like when the Bulls had Dennis Rodman, right? <clears throat> they didn't stop Dennis from being Dennis. They just, they dealt with it. Yeah. And they they and and they channeled it in such a way that it didn't bring down the team. I mean they I mean Dennis remember during the NBA finals in between games Dennis went over to Monday Nitro okay <laughs> which is insane and he, and he got in the ring and was and was dropping elbows on people in between NBA finals games he could have injured himself you know probably had no no injury clause or or insurance like they do with WWE. With the Rock and um, oh, because John Cena. Well, because nobody signs an NBA player thinking they're going to go to Monday Nitro in between <laughs> games. Nobody oh. thinks about that. Well, Rodman no, no. was nuts, though, man. Rodman was insane. <laughs> and and you know, and Michael Jordan, being who he is, was, I mean, probably couldn't stand that guy for a while. But everyone involved just knew, and 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 also, you know, Rodman had played for the. You know, the enemy of the state for the Chicago Bulls, he played for Detroit. Um, so, but they all had, you know, Phil Jackson and, you know, and everybody had, you know, they had the right ideas. Like, look, no, we don't like this guy, but we need this guy to win these games and then win this championship. We are going to make this work and we will, you know, We'll push him when he when we need to push him, but when we when there's something that really isn't that big of a deal, but we just don't like, we'll we'll let it go. Um, and that's on Tony to do with Phil, and because because you hired him. Yes. Okay. Um, Phil didn't come to your office with a gun in his hand, you know, saying "Give me a job" or or else, bang, right? Um, he didn't do that. You you hired him, so. You hire him, you you deal with him. Um, but yeah, and I know we're going on 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 about Phil here. And uh, yeah, but, no, we're we're about to wrap this part of the yeah this part of the show up because Jason's uh, Jason's giving me the look. Jason's yeah. uh, you know on the shows when we when we reach the commercial, they turn on the light. Jason's turned on the commercial light. <laughs> the commercial light is on. I mean, stop talking about punk. We're done. <laughs> so, but yeah, huge fumble by AEW. Going to move on from that. Uh, Jason, were there any other just overall high spots that stuck out with you this year? Just something that you really popped for? I mean, I mean, they did finish it for now, but as the bloodline turns was just awesome, dude. Like they yeah. every single person nailed their parts from Jimmy, you know, being the the one who initially betrayed, you know, Roman and freed Jay from Roman and all that good stuff. They got the 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 tag team match and they. You know, Jay got his solo match and all that good stuff. And then Jay, Jimmy's the one who comes back and protects Roman. And, you know, it was just awesome. 
And, then, and now Roman's back to abusing Jimmy. Right. And now, um, so clearly I think they're going to get to a match at WrestleMania between the two of them. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, the, as the bloodline turns, has been so much fun. And even solo, he's like stepped up in just in terms of his role. Yeah. Ex tribal chief, the heir apparent and, you know, perhaps and all that good stuff. Moving forward, if we are getting a Jimmy versus Jay WrestleMania match, I'm really interested to see how they're going to put that storyline together. Like we have four months now to do that. Let's see what they do. Like I, I get so excited between January 1st and WrestleMania because they really, really, and so everybody complains every year. There's no build. There's no build to WrestleMania. They're, bu- they're building stuff for WrestleMania right now. And you guys aren't even paying attention to it. You know, the, like the year's not even over yet. 2024 is getting ready to start and they're already starting to build the WrestleMania card. And it's, it's so amazing. I think the, the biggest, you know, thing that will throw them off from WrestleMania this year is I think they probably factored Charlotte very heavily into at least one of the storylines getting in there. So now they've had to pivot. You know, unfortunately she had a horrible injury and she's going to be out for up to nine months. Um, so obviously they're going to have to shift gears from there. Um, but yeah, man, it's, we're, we're getting ready to head into the most exciting time of the WWE calendar year. That being said, we usually kind of refer to everything between like WrestleMania and SummerSlam and then from SummerSlam to the end of year kind of as the doldrums. And there's definitely certain periods of time where they kind of phone it in. This year, I really think creative filled in the blanks. You know, when the for the times where, you know, Roman wasn't readily available for whatever reason, whether it was his health, whether it was his contract, whatever the case may be, they, they filled in enough on SmackDown to keep it interesting. You know, we got an incredible Miz Gunther feel like who, who had Miz and Gunther having a series of matches on their bingo card back in January. You know, 11 and a half months ago. Probably not a single person. No, nope. yet we we got it. You know, L.A. Knight gave us a great filler match in the middle of the year, you know, the middle end of the year at what should be the doldrum. And it didn't feel like doldrum. So I really think creatively this year, WWE has been in its bag, like really delivering in a lot of areas with a lot of different people. The work with the LWO has been incredible, like Santos Escobar and that whole crew and everything they're doing with that has just been top notch. And Selena Vega has been an MVP there. Um, so much good stuff. And that's, you know, we haven't even mentioned the Judgment Day yet. No, we haven't even gotten there yet. You know, like, as we... There was a while, like, early on where we were like, all right, what are we doing with these guys? You know, they were looking like Bobos. They were looking like goons. Now they, they run raw, man. Yeah. And, and they run raw even in losing. Like, they just lost Survivor Series War Games. And they still feel like a dominant faction. That's really good stuff. And actually, I'm that. Well, that's it's. It's uh, sorry. I'll just add. It's a testament to all of them. Like including yeah. uh, at this point, including JD, because he's added and our truth. Because I mean, they've as the newest members of Judgment Day, they've added their own, you know, little spin to things. So it's it's really cool. And I was gonna say that was um one of the brilliant ideas of Dusty to come up with the War Games was. So, you know, it's always centered around some faction, you know, and it's a way to give the enemies of the faction a win without having to 
you know, without them winning, beating them for any titles or anything. And right. so, and so, like you said, even like losing the war games match, they didn't really miss a beat. I, I would say a couple highlights for me this year were, um, I just fell right out of my head, Logan Paul and Bad Bunny. Like, I keep going back to that Bad Bunny, Damian Priest match in Puerto Rico and just that incredible entrance with Bad Bunny and then everything that followed. That was a that was a high spot for me this year. Yeah, and uh, that was, I mean, again, that was like the best entrance of the whole work. It was up there with the best entrances of the year. I mean, and... Yes. I mean, if you have the whole stadium of people... You know, singing the dude's song when he's coming out there, and I mean, and Puerto Rico, of course, is famous for just being just a, like a f- fire pit of heat for the crowd, and they didn't disappoint. And we got all the run-ins. Yeah, we got all the run. Like that match was. Po- Some people may say, "Oh, it was overbooked." And if it was anybody, if it was any other scenario but this, it you could probably argue that it was overbooked. But we got a guy. I, you will never hear me complain about a Savio Vega run in. Yes. Like, you'll never hear me complain about that. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. That the whole match, Bad Bunny continuing to, you know, show that, you know, when you take it seriously, even if you don't f- do it full time, you can still come out there and make it look good. Yes. I mean, that was definitely just, that was a high spot for me, definitely. Yeah. Anything else for you, Rob? Um, well, I mean, despite the way the year ended, I mean, last year, like, I had to go almost nine months without the 14-time women's champion. So, to, <laughs> um, this year, like, despite how it ended, I mean, you know, she was there for the year, for the whole year, and I got to see, you know, one of my two favorite wrestlers for the whole year. <laughs> so, um, that was a high spot for me. Um, um, Oh the uh, the well the, the the good press conference that happened between with uh, Cody and uh, Jay Uso <laughs> when they when they when they showed up just absolutely bombed at the press. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, it's classic. Yeah, it was a great moment between those two, and just at, at one point Cody's just like, "All right, I guess this is what we're doing." <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> good stuff. Yeah, and you know I think I've said this on Twitter. You know, Cody is going to, when, when Triple H is done being Triple H, um, Cody is going to be taking that job. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I can see that down the road, because that's he'll, he'll end up where his dad did, you know, moving into the booking role, the creative role. And that's I think that's, I'm interested to see what that looks like. And I told you guys that privately, because there's also some speculation that at some point CM Punk may want to slide into a creative role. In five, ten years from now, I'm very interested to see what a WWE under Cody and CM Punk creative would look like. Um, just, just because I'm curious. Well, I think because, the, I think difference is I think I don't think Punk is made for the day to day running of things. But whereas C- Cody absolutely is, and that's my point because Punk was so critical of. Because this is what I say to all the armchair quarterbacks on Twitter that talk about how bad WWE is and how they could do better, how they could do better. Okay, show your work. 
You know, and this is where I'm at with Punk. For years, he criticized the company, criticized creative, criticized how they do things. Okay, buddy, here's the here's the steering wheel. Show your work. Let's see what you've got now that you're in that role. And let's see if it's as easy as you convince the rest of the world that it is. All right. Have we got anything else, Rob? Um, man. So, uh, uh, well, do you guys have any, in terms of like New Year's resolution kind of thing, things, things that you want to see happen next year, whether it's, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not talking about like so-and-so wins this championship or whatever, but something that, you know, um, booking or creative or maybe somebody getting signed or something that you want to see next year. Jason, you want to go first? Uh, let's do evolution again. Yes. It's been a while. Let's do it. Like, Put it on, you know, it doesn't have to be a WrestleMania-level event or anything like that. But, yes, it deserves something more than the Performance Center. Um, but that said, you know, let's do Evolution again. Put the, all three rosters on on the show. Not hard. Uh, just put it on the show. And, it's got to wait till like, December to do it, though. Oh, Jesus. Can't, can't. <laughs> Come on, yeah, you can't do it while she's still out, man, okay? Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. We'll have to do it in the late summer, early fall. October. October's a great month. Listen, man, also, if you're worried about certain things, just pay for the place. Who cares? Do the do the AEW, buy one, get one, get seven and a half off. You know, just pay for the place. Fill the place up. Let's have a good time. Do the show. You'll just get an incredible amount of goodwill and an incredible amount of good wrestling. So I don't understand what the, the you know the downside would be. It doesn't have to be an annual event, even. Just do it. Just do it again. I'm right there with Jason. I would love to see another evolution event. Um, anything that's spot spotlights women, uh, gives women more opportunities, shows off more women's wrestling. I'm here for it. I'm going to also piggyback on that and tell them that I hope they do something real with the women's tag team championships this year. Like we're in a good position where we can start the year off and do that. I really want them to put some effort into that as well as I want them to split up the smack, the, the raw and SmackDown tag team championships. Again, I, I if we're going to have tag team champions, I want one-on-one -on -one brand and one on the other brand and leave it that way. I, I'm tired of the unified belts. And see that, and that, that's the thing I want because now, I mean, you got like six or seven teams on each show now, and they're all going heading towards the same dead end of you get a match with you know the unified champions and you lose, <laughs> and um, unified champions are intrinsically tied to you know one of the biggest things, the biggest thing going on Raw, so like. We can't just decide to for these guys to drop these titles because, you know, uh, the Creed brothers got hot. So you really got yourself in a corner here, folks. Sorry to jump on you, Rob. Oh, no problem. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's it's a dead end. Like, so, I mean, the Creed brothers had a match for the titles and they lost. So, okay, now what? Um, you know, and 
And that's true for any other team there. I mean, if, if they wrestle the New Day, um, what's going to happen? They're going to lose. If they, you know, uh, if they wrestle the Alpha Academy, what's going to happen? They're going to lose. And then if they, and then they go over to SmackDown and they wrestle the Street Profits, what's going to happen? They're going to lose. And it, it under, it, I mean, you're undercutting momentum from these people now too, because this whole thing with Bobby and the Street Profits, like, there's no point doing it if, if none of them win anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. And so split up the tag team titles so that all those teams on both shows have something to fight over. Because now, you know, word on the street is that the AOP is going to be back. So we're going to have another team. The AOP back to do what? What are we going to do with the AOP? And I love the AOP. Like, I, I really do. I thought they... They started off a little shaky, but by the time they were released a few years ago, they were cooking. Like, they had figured it out. And I was right there, and then they were gone. Like, I think one of them got injured, and then they were gone. Um, But what are they going to do? Are we just having matches to have matches? Yeah, because, I mean, it's, you know, because for a while, you know, it was Jimmy and Jay had both the belts for a while. And, you know, you kind of lived with that because you knew they were going to lose to Kevin and Sammy at WrestleMania. So you knew there was a point to it. But then after that, um, once that happened, then to me, they should have, they should have split them up after that. That was the time to just, and then cause Kevin and Sammy got drafted to raw. They weren't drafted as floaters cause they had both belts. They got, they got drafted to raw and that yeah. was the time to say, okay, well you guys got drafted to raw. So you got to hand over the blue belts now. Um, so for me, just, yes, please split up the tag team titles. Um, and so that the teams on both shows have something to fight for and aren't just headed toward like a dead end. And yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Cause to me that that's the biggest change that's needed. And you mentioned the women's tag team titles. Um, as always look, make up your mind. Um, do you want them to be for the mid and lower level girls to have something to fight over? Or, or do you just do, or are you going to just put them on some of your higher people and just, you know, and have better matches and matches to get more time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, make up your mind. Um, you know, pick, pick one uh, and do it. And, you know. Okay. Well, guys, I think we can call the go home there and get out of here tonight. We started a little bit late. That was my fault. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, guys, I'm going to go back around the room here. Thank my co-hosts as always, Jason, sir. Thank you. You're I appreciate you. You. I appreciate you guys. This year is another year of the Mindless Pod. All done. Thank yeah. You. We are finishing up. This is episode 175. This marks just two weeks shy of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast being a three-man weave. Uh, Rob and I started it several months before Jason jumped on board. Jason jumped on mid-January of 2020, and, you know, we've been rocking right along since. Uh, From the Rob the Genius Podcast, Mr. Rob, again, I appreciate you, sir. And I appreciate you guys. And um, so this this all in all has been, in wrestling, it's been a good year, you know, 
and but it wouldn't be as good without you guys here to to share it with and talk about with and that goes you know for both of you guys and for all of you out there who listen to us and as always you know um to our you know closest friends of the show to jay and madeline and nicole and brooklyn ike um uh, i'm leave it out here forget somebody and then we're gonna all feel like assholes they are there's because there, there really is a list of people to thank you know what yeah. i'm sorry to everyone who doesn't get mentioned but you know what it's everyone can blame me now <laughs> i cut off rob so but we do have a lot of folks you know you know from you know everybody over at chair shot you know and obviously we will shout out the big man greg um but everybody else you know, you get one collective thank you because again, I don't want to forget anybody. And you know, we've had some a lot of good people on this show. We've been fortunate enough to be on your shows, you know, various shows on the Kid uh, uh, Chair Shot Network. So yeah, it's been a killer year, um, and I'm really glad you guys let me try it out because I mean, I, that first episode I jumped on, I believe it was just like, oh, let's just try that out, try this out, see what you like. You know, you've never been on Pod before, you've done this, you've done that. Sure, let's try it out. And then at the end, I think it was just, okay, what are we talking about next week? Yeah. <laughs> it was like a, a one-episode interview for Jason. It's like, okay, you're part of the team. Let's go. Yes, and then, <laughs> and then you and then you delivered the epic CM Punk rant. from Was, it, was that last year? <laughs> that last year? Uh, uh, was whatever he started in AEW. Was that 22 or thir- 21 or 2? Was it late 21? Oh, it was when he got fired. My rant was when he got fired. Okay. No, I thought it was... I'll have to go back and listen to the episode. But we were talking about it, and you were like, okay, I'm going to give this guy a chance, but then you went on, like, this epic eight-minute rant. I'm looking up now. It was was on August 18th, 2022. Okay. Are we reading two things? Because I want to say I did the the pump-in-my-gas thing when he got fired. No, uh, that wasn't no, because um, it was episode Jace was on there with us. I'm looking at the video right now. Okay. Because um, it was oh, because because he, he interjected himself into Sasha and Naomi's situation, and that's what that's, that's what it was. That's what set it off with you. That's what set it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was after Sasha and Naomi walked out, and he, you know, yeah, he he threw his two cents worth. And look where we're at now, almost 15 months later. God. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> Naomi doesn't exist. You know, she's over in in, in TNA. Um, and, and it's well. funny because I mean, he he interjected himself into the situation. He made it all about him. Of course. And he's and 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 he, and he comes back to work there. Yeah, and they're they're the ones that are gone still. <laughs> unreal. And just unreal situation all the way around. Anyway, again, I I can't stress enough for all of you that have supported us for these three long years. Again, Greg, thank you for the opportunity and for the support of everybody at the Chairshot Radio Network. Support of all the listeners, support of anybody who finds us moving forward. Remember, go check us out on YouTube. We do have some some short video clips, some long full episodes. Uh, we're definitely on YouTube trying to build that brand up over there. Just look up the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Uh, also, you can follow me on at the Mindless Pod. Jason, if you want to throw your Twitter out there or X or whatever the hell you guys want to call it nowadays. I will never not call it Twitter. Um, it's always it's Twitter. At, at Jedi Fett, J-E-D-I-F-P-T-T. 
And Rob? Oh, the R-B-O-N-N-E-1, uh, you know, Rob the Genius at Twitter. And yeah, same, it's, it's Twitter to me, you know. I'm I don't like Elon, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna no. <laughs> and the mindless wrestling podcast with that wraps up the year that was 2023, a year that personally and professionally I'd like to flush down the toilet. Gonna start off 2024 with a lot of fun, a lot of positive energy, a lot of positive vibes. Thank you so much, everyone. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling, you can call it sports entertainment, you can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. And we're out. Until next year. Yeah, I was that guy. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.